now listen to the moon child and i'm back calling this the comeback it is july 16th in the morning around 8 30 and i'm back with another episode i took a break i took a break and it was a much needed break i've been gone for about a month now and don't worry i've been keeping up with the playoffs all that stuff going on, but I feel like I took a much needed break. My new place, it's about 90% complete. I'm not sleeping on the floor no more. Got a bed frame. We got some extra furniture. Finally furnished this place up. Roommates coming back. My new job, I've been trying to work hard to get promoted there. I got promoted, you know, I got promoted once. Still trying to go up, still trying to be a server. That way I can be a server and go to school at the same time and give myself some good money and that'll make things easier when I'm doing my podcast and my birthday passed. I'm officially 21 and it was a great weekend. Oh my God, it was a fantastic weekend. I was probably like 13 to 18 shots deep of Hennessy um, over two nights on the third and the fourth. No hangovers, no blackout. It was, a very, it was a very, very good time. Friends, family. We got to go to the mix. Had a little kickback at the house. It was nice to see how things came together at the house. Just an overall good time. Felt like a movie, honestly. And nothing but good vibes. I've been enjoying the playoffs. Uh, this is the most parody that we had in a very long time. We're sitting here watching the Bucks versus the Suns in the finals. And it honestly, I couldn't wish for a better matchup. And I'll get into all that later. Um, as far as, you know, we already know what the injuries and all that stuff going on. I'm not going to discredit teams for staying healthy. And those talks of, because the media has been pissing me off lately. And I guess that had something to do with me taking a break also. I kind of just been sitting back. Um, seeing how a lot of the big media is carrying themselves and the more and more they push themselves about just talking basketball, push themselves away from talking basketball, it annoys me when people bring up ratings. Look, let me tell you something about ratings, all right? First of all, people my age, like all you, especially most mostly Laker fans too, don't sit here and come in, oh, this finals is bad for ratings. First of all, I know 85 to 90% of y'all don't even have cable. So what the fuck does ratings have to do with you? Y'all mean motherfuckers stream shit? So many people stream. There's so many ways to watch basketball now and even on the global level. Ratings do not mean a damn thing. And who cares about big market Who cares about the big markets being in the fucking finals? I don't understand how that fucking has to do with the fans of the game. You got Laker fans from fucking New Mexico talking about, oh, Suns versus Bucks, it's bad ratings. Like, motherfucker, worry about getting Wi-Fi or something. I don't even know people have Wi-Fi in New Mexico. All right? <laughs> Let me not get that disrespectful. But shit, as far as a basketball matchup, this is a fantastic finals. And it's living up to the hype. And on top of that, we only have one player in this finals matchup that's been to the finals before, and that's Jay Crowder. And his first time was in the finals, 
was when it, when they was in the bubble, when he was in the bubble with the Miami Heat. And we could not ask for a better matchup either. And like I said, I'll get into all that. But I do have to address some things. Because the last time I made an episode, we were in the second round. And they were approaching game seven. And I have to come clean about the things that I was wrong about. As, you know, if you've been keeping up um, according to my predictions. My predictions that I had... The Los Angeles Clippers versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, the Clippers not making the finals was, you know, an obvious reason with them not having Kawhi. And I'm not going to take anything away from the Suns. I'm not. You know, so the, you know, they didn't have Kawhi for that series. They took the Suns to six games. And they couldn't get it done at home in that game six. Suns closed them out. They played with a lot of aggression. They played with a lot of urgency. And Chris Paul had a memorable game to close him out. But as far as Philly, I was so I had I had set in stone. I'm like, look, I feel like nobody could stop Philly. They have the pieces. Yeah, they lost Danny Green, but when you have Joel Embiid doing what he's doing, and he was injured, but he didn't miss a step. He was still giving you 35 and 15 whenever you needed. Um, Tobias needed to step up in that game seven, and you know, of course, the lack of aggressiveness of Ben Simmons came through and Philly ended up losing to the Atlanta Hawks and as far as with that the process is over Philly definitely got to go into a new direction and B is very 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 talented he needs some help he needs a second guy that will benefit his game Ben Simmons is a great player in my opinion it's obviously a confidence or a mental thing I think he's a 6'10 Rondo. And as you know, Rondo is my favorite player to ever watch this game. And for Ben Simmons to be 6'10 and be able to facilitate and guard all five positions the way he do, I think is very, very valuable. But when he's not being aggressive, passing up open dunks in clutch time, only taking two shots in the fourth quarter throughout the whole series, being non-aggressive and being just a liability, then that's a problem. And with him being an interior presence, Joel Embiid could shoot three, but you really want Joel Embiid in that low block because he's he's just unstoppable when he gets going on that low block. I haven't seen a big man with footwork like him since the great Hakeem Olajuwon. I mean, it's ridiculous what Joel Embiid can do, and it's sad to see that they were eliminated in the second round by the Atlanta Hawks, who I got to give a shout-out to the Atlanta Hawks, where they didn't have DeAndre Hayden or Cam Reddish really throughout the whole playoffs, and... They they brought it to the 76ers. They brought it every single game. They The 76ers weren't dealing with no injuries. If anything, the Hawks had more injuries than them. And you got a lot of guys that it was their first time in the playoffs. See my boy Bogdanovich. Uh, you see, you know, you see Capella doing his thing. He's experiencing the playoffs. You got Gallinari. Uh, John Collins in his first playoffs. But, you know, you got guys like Lou Will, Gallinari, Capella. Um, even Kongu was stepping up off the bench. And you just got to give credit to Atlanta for not only putting up, uh, you know, putting together a really good roster. I got to give Trey Young his flowers. He really gained my respect a lot. Um, you know how I feel about when it comes to talking about the top point guards because I get very defensive about my guy Fox. And I feel like Trey Young gets a lot more hype. 
than De'Aaron Fox does. And if De'Aaron Fox was in the East, he would for surely already have an all-star nod. Now, do I think Trey Young is on another level compared to De'Aaron Fox? No, I don't think so. But I will give Trey Young the nod. And even, not Ja yet, even though, but their playoff performance was, was so impressive. Very, very impressive. I had to put Trey over Fox at the moment until I see Fox doing the playoffs. But I know he can do in the playoffs because I've seen what Fox did in the bubble when he had to carry that team. And he was averaging at least 40 a game and dishing out nine assists. Basically, what Ja was doing versus the versus the Jazz, Fox is fully capable of doing it. But watching Trey Young just run that offense and, you know, even with, without, you know, doing the little flopping crap, it just... His IQ coming off the pick and roll and setting up his teammates and having the have possessing the range that he has. He's not no shooter like Steph and Dame. He's you know he shoots around thirty seven percent from three, but his range, him being a four level scorer, um, opens up a lot of opportunities not only for himself but mainly for his teammates. And watching him execute that was special. And doing that versus you know Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Danny Green as well. Um, a great defensive team like Philadelphia was, watching him operate like that, taking the seven and close out the series, it was special to watch. So I got to give credit to Atlanta. Um, that was a very good uh, conference finals run. They took care of the Knicks, they upset Philly, and they took the Bucks to six games. So I got to give Atlanta the credit, especially the way they turned around the season. A lot of credit to Nate McMillan. Glad he got the job and he's back in the NBA. I know the Pacers are kicking themselves in the foot. But that's just the way it is. You didn't need to fire him. We all know why the Pacers were losing in the first round. It was mainly because of injuries the past two years. I would like to see him get a shot with the full roster. And he was constantly taking that Indiana team to the fourth or fifth seed for the past three years. So anywho, to the Western Conference, um, the Suns. Now, another thing where I was wrong about. I was wrong about Philly not going to, going to the finals. I thought they would at least go to the conference finals. I had Philly sweeping Atlanta. That's how confident I was in Philly this year. They disappointed me, and that's why I'm not. You got to cut the process off. But as far as the Suns, I've been saying all year that they are not contenders. They are playoff contenders. They are not going to be finals contenders. I would take the Jazz. I would take the Lakers. I would take the Clippers over them. And I would even. I was even going to take the Trailblazers over them, or the Nuggets over them. But they proved me wrong, and where they proved me wrong is the ascension of DeAndre Ayton. He's able to carry the front court. Now, my biggest knock on the Suns is that their front court wasn't deep enough, and as far as right now in the finals, which I'll get into right now, it's very, very thin. But if you know, go look at that roster, and they made a terrible decision in the draft. I remember while watching the draft, they had the 10th pick, while the Kings had 12th. And they had a very good opportunity to just draft Tyrese Halliburton. I would thought it would have been perfect for them to get Halliburton coming off the bench uh, while Chris Paul and Devin Booker do their thing and Tyrese can learn from Chris Paul. And that would be scary. And I didn't think Lanston Galloway would be enough. But Cameron Payne ascended. And as far as their front court go, they drafted a guy like Jalen Smith who's nowhere near ready for the NBA. He hasn't played no minutes. All they have coming off the bench is Dario Saric because you really don't want Frank Kaminsky in there. Now Dar Dario Saric is injured. DeAndre Ayton has even more on his load. Now at the beginning of the season, I didn't think DeAndre Ayton could carry a load like the way he's doing, but he is. And 
the what DeAndre Ayton has been doing throughout the playoffs. Look, if the Lakers were healthy, I think DeAndre Ayton would have posed problems on Anthony Davis. He imposed problems on Nikola Jokic. And even with Kawhi was playing, the Clippers didn't really have too much to, you know, answer what DeAndre Ayton was doing unless Boogie was, you know, not playing super emotionally. And because Boogie was able to contain him, but depending on how long he was going to be playing his minutes or whatnot, DeAndre Ayton was just looking like the best big on whoever they were facing against. And now that's why the test is so great right now because he's going against Giannis, who, you know, Giannis is the best big in the series, in the finals right now. But also with the Suns is that their offense is just so, so efficient. Um, the way that Chris Paul runs the pick and roll, we've been seeing how he does it for years. He doesn't turn the ball over. Um, he's one of the greatest players when it comes to um, turnover, turnover, assist turnover ratios. And then see what Devin Booker does off the um, pick and roll as a scorer, not um, also as a playmaker, but as a scorer where he's always crabbing defenders and he's always getting defenders on his back, reading the screen. And if you just give him a niche little space, he's hitting that mid-range. And they took care of an injured Clipper team. They took care of an injured Nuggets team. And they took care of a slightly injured Lakers team. If anything, the Lakers were most healthy versus the Suns than the Clippers and the Nuggets was. But I'm not going to knock on the Suns for being healthy. You know, they took care of business. They didn't let it go too far. Mind you, it's their first time in the playoffs, and they're they're handling well. And a lot of credit goes to Monty Williams with that also, um, keeping the team composed. Um, well, trying to keep the team composed, but just going to their strengths. And that's something that Milwaukee needs to start doing. And now, going into Milwaukee, Milwaukee's the most frustrating team for me to watch. And I want them to win so bad. I would love to see the city of Milwaukee get a championship. A small market team gives me, as a Sacramento Kings fan, a lot of hope. Even watching what the Suns did um, is doing right now gives me a lot of hope. Because the Suns have been on the same level as the Kings for the past 10 years. And now they're in the finals while we're still at the playoffs. But for the Bucks, oh my god. I mean, Budenholzer coaching sometimes is just questionable. He makes adjustments eh, late, and you know I could call his coaching terrible all I want, but they they still made the finals. You know they closed out against the Brooklyn Nets. Now if you want to be like the Brooklyn Nets, oh they didn't have Kyrie or James Harden. I don't give a damn if they didn't have Kyrie or James Harden. They still had Kevin Durant. There's no reason for them to even have James Harden and Kyrie. That's not the Bucks' fault that they weren't healthy. Kyrie was not healthy all last year. He had a whole year. And he came back, and he unfortunately, he sprained his ankle. James Harden had hamstring issues, and he still played through it. Um, it came down to Game 7. Brooklyn was at home. KD was hitting some tough-ass shots. They went into overtime, and the overtime, the Bucks defended really well. Uh, I think the score in overtime was literally only 4-2 to two, or 6-4. to four. Uh, Middleton hit, that, hit a shot. Giannis hit a layups, and they defended very well. KD almost got that game winner, but his foot was on the line. And the Bucks took care of business and got through a really tough series. I mean, the, the Nets where, you know, Bruce Brown was doing his thing and Mike James was doing his thing. You still had James Harden out there on one leg hobbling, but his playmaking ability can't be matching. KD going off the way he was going off, not taking any breaks. Um, it was definitely, it was still a hard challenge for the Bucks, And the Bucks almost... 
you know, dropped the ball versus Atlanta. Giannis ended up getting injured game, um, on game four. They had to play without Giannis game five and game six. Bucks ended up closing out. You got to see Drew Holiday be more aggressive. Chris Middleton was doing his thing. And they got to the finals. So all credit to the Bucks uh, for mainly trying to stay healthy. They're missing DiVincenzo. Um, but every team is dealing with some type of injury. And so you can't knock these teams for going to the finals because they didn't get injured. I refuse to do so. And as far as with the injuries, you know, um, I know Laker fans want to keep holding this excuse like, oh, we didn't get long enough of offseason. Look, I'm here to tell you that you can get injured at any point in time. Klay Thompson tore his um, ACL while practicing. You can't prevent what happened to Jamal Murray. You can't prevent injuries. It's, it's going to happen any time. It really is. Um, as far as what happened with AD, he didn't come in in shape, and we all know this. He didn't come in looking like LeBron was. We all know this. Um, and if you want to talk about injuries, it did not just happen to the Lakers. It happened to the Nuggets. It happened to the Jazz for um, with Mike Conley. It happened to the Clippers. It happened to the Nets. It happened with Danny Green. It happened with DeAndre Eight. I mean DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. It happened with Victor Oladipo. It literally happened to everybody. And for, in my opinion, you know, Laker fans want to talk about, uh, oh, if we had, if we're healthy, I don't think, I don't think y'all will beat the Clippers. And honestly, if the Warriors were fully healthy, I don't think y'all would beat them either. So everybody's dealing with it. And you want to even know a funnier thing? You know, okay, you won the finals, you played extra, you played longer than anybody else or whatever. So did the Heat. But we can just switch this to hockey. And hockey is on the same exact schedule as the NBA, damn near. The Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup in the bubble. They had a shortened offseason because they... The hockey season started damn near right when the NBA season started. And hockey's a very, very physical sport. Had a whole season. And guess what? In a, in a sport where it's harder to get it back-to-back, too, because this is hockey, you know? And a little bit like soccer, anything can happen. It can go either way every game. Tampa Bay Lightning came back and won back-to-back titles and proved, proved that the bubble wasn't a fluke with the shortened offseason in a more physical sport. They're having a parade. With their Stanley Cup. So, if they were able to do it, the Lakers were fully capable of doing it. But I told y'all, y'all wasn't winning a ring from the beginning. That roster wasn't good enough. So, if you want to blame anybody, don't blame injuries. Blame Ron Palinka for that terrible roster setup. And see how you can go moving forward. But the future ain't bright. Sorry about that. So, I don't care what you think about ratings. I'm going to enjoy the great finals matchup we have. And let's talk about the finals. We got the Bucks versus the Suns. And as far as basketball-wise, this is the perfect matchup that can go either way. Now, my prediction was Bucks and six. I put 20 on it with my boy Chris. Uh, let's kind of like break down the teams on what you know who's better at what. Uh, when you look at interior defense, the Bucks has that advantage. You got the defensive player of the year in Giannis, um, being one of the best drop coverage defenders in the league. And one of the best rim protectors and all-around defenders, um, especially when it comes to in the interior, with a guy like Brooke Lopez, who's capable of blocking shots as well. You got to give that edge to the Bucks, where all the Suns have for interior defense is literally DeAndre Ayton. Interior offense, 
that goes to the Bucks as well. <laughs> it's Giannis. All right, he's the closest thing that we've seen to Shaq as far as um, interior, you know, dominance on the offensive end. So that's obviously you know going to the Bucks way. Other than DeAndre Ayton, the Suns shoot a lot of jump shots. Perimeter defense that goes to the Bucks as well. Chris Middleton when they had Don, Dante DiVincenzo. And, of course, Drew Holiday, probably the best guard defender in the league. Um, perimeter defense, slightly you got to give a you know the edge to Bucks. I would take Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton as defenders over Chris, over Chris Paul and Devin Booker any day. But then when it comes to perimeter shooting, that goes to the Suns. Suns got a lot of perimeter shooting. You're talking about Devin Booker. You got Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges. You can even say Dario Saric. Um, Tory Craig, they have a lot of perimeter shooting out there. Even Mikel Bridges, I, if I didn't say his name already. But having uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, where you got Cam Johnson or Mikel Bridges ready to shoot. Oh, even Jay Crowder as well. I can't forget about him. Suns have a lot of perimeter shooting. And you talk about, you know, offensive efficiency. That goes to the Suns as well. This is a very, very efficient offense. They pick and choose their matchups. They get the best look possible at all times. And when you give them a chance in that pick and roll, they're going to fry you in that pick and roll all day if you don't get the right defensive setup out there or you don't have the right defensive scheme. Chris Paul and Devin Booker will fuck you up on the pick and roll. Whether you want to switch, whether you want to drop, uh, whether you want to hedge, they're making the right read. 80% of the time. So, as far as offensive efficiency, that goes to the Suns. And that's even with Giannis being the interior presence. Because sometimes, the Bucks doesn't like to go all the, all the way in their strengths. And that leads me to the last important advantage that the, you know, that the Suns have. The Suns have better coaching as well. Mon I'll take Monty Williams over Budenholzer 10 times out of 10. Um, just seeing how the team... You know, as far as an emotional standpoint, they do. It, it seems like you know Monty has more respect from his players than than Budenholzer does. Uh, you feel like you know, as a player, you know, if you're a player right now, if you wanted to choose which coach, I think a lot of you that's listening would rather play for Monty Williams than Coach Budenholzer. Um, he's a former player. I think he speaks to them better, better, and he's obviously been a better coach, and that's what got them that 2-0 lead at the beginning. And honestly, the Bucks, I believe, have the more talented team. Um, or, you know, as far as this matchup goes, the, the matchup goes into the Bucks' favor because they have, the def they have the better defense. They have the better interior offense as well. But as far as what the Suns have, they do have efficiency, but that efficiency comes with great coaching, and they do have better perimeter shooting. But the Suns don't go to the rack. They really don't. And, you know, no matter how far the game, you know, moves forward, once you got Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and, you know, the game is won in the paint. And, you know, you watch the Lakers do that last year. You watch the Lakers dominate the game in the paint. And that's exactly what the Bucks can do, and they're starting to figure out a little bit more. But any on the other hand, this is such an even matchup. It can go either way. You got three All-Stars versus three All-Stars. Yes, I'm considering DeAndre Ayton an All-Star now. I believe DeAndre Ayton is the third best big man in the league right now. 
maybe fourth, right behind Vucevic, or if not on the same level as Vucevic. What his physical presence and what he's doing for his team is unbelievably valuable. Unbelievably valuable. And this is what we expected from him as the number one pick. And, you know, even if you redo that draft, I would still take DeAndre eight number one. I liked him coming out of college a lot. That he would be very, very dynamic where he has a good touch. He's just like his his athletic ability. Um, if he can defend very well and he's got so much better defending, he secures rebounds. He's an extreme lob threat. And his post game will get better and better over time. And he's been so, so efficient. His touch around the rim has just been amazing. He dominates the people that's smaller than him. And he holds his own on the people that's his size. So, like I said, he he imposes a different physical presence that not all centers are able to do. With also not fouling. And that's what happened to him in game three. He actually got in foul trouble for like the first time this whole playoffs. But he's been defending really well. And it's been nice to see what DeAndre Aiden has been able to do. But as far as this being an even matchup, it comes down to Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday versus CP3, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. Now, what Devin Booker is doing is amazing. But as far as the Kobe comparisons, please, let's, let's, let's relax. Because honestly, CP3 and Drew Holiday, they cancel each other out. That's a great matchup. But they cancel each other out, though. They bring the same thing to both teams. Chris Paul brings a little bit more offensively um, because of him being one of the best maestros in this game has ever seen. But Drew Holiday's defense does is going to wear out Chris Paul throughout the series. And Drew Holiday was wearing him out last night, as you've seen. But everything that Devin Booker could do offensively, Chris Middleton does exactly the same thing. So Chris Middleton and Devin Booker cancel each other out if you watched game four the other night Chris Middleton was scoring the same exact way as Devin Booker Devin Booker's shot was looking looking you know he was shooting some even more difficult shots that's because Milwaukee's a better defensive team but Devin Booker was a little bit more efficient that night but Chris Middleton was getting all the looks he wanted he had 40 but he was like 15 for 35 but they were going in and out he was shooting the same thing where they go up the pick and roll and they're gonna crab you he's gonna Make sure he keeps the defender behind him. He's going to ring the screen. And if you just give him a niche of space, he's knocking down that mid-range. Chris Middleton and Devin Booker, have their games are literally identical. <laughs> They're literally identical. So if you want to call Devin Booker Kobe, you got to call um, Chris Middleton Kobe as well. So with that matchup, you got Devin Booker and Chris Middleton bringing the same thing to their team. They're both the closers of their team. And if you need a bucket, you're going to go to those two guys who can... Create some, create their own shot and get themselves a mid-range um, at any time they want. So they cancel each other out. What the series comes down to, and this is why you can, you know, I got to give the edge to the Bucks. comes down to Giannis versus DeAndre Ayton. And you got to give your edge, you got to give the edge to Giannis. Giannis is a two-time MVP. I've been waiting on Giannis to get to this point. I thought he will get to the finals next year. Looks like he's a year ahead schedule. Luckily, um, due to the circumstances this year, but he took care of business because they could have easily choked this. But I'm going to have to um, Giannis over DeAndre Ayton. Um, unless DeAndre Ayton can really keep up to the level of what Giannis is doing. And he he has all the tools and he, he really has the 
he has the ability to to keep up with Giannis. And like I said, DeAndre Ayton is very, very good. And he's the X factor of the series if the Suns want to win. If he can maintain Giannis, if he can keep up with Giannis, Suns have a good chance of winning this. But with Giannis being the physical presence he is, also with his playmaking ability and his defensive ability, it's going to be a lot for the Suns to handle, especially if DeAndre Ayton gets into foul trouble. Because with no more Dario Saric, if anybody other than DeAndre Ayton is guarding Giannis, it's an easy two points. It's an easy two points. Very easy two points. And right now the series is tied 2-2. The momentum is on the Bucks' side. You know, if Bucks win game five, it's not going to look too good for the Suns. Um, the Bucks need to establish an inside-out presence. I, some, I don't understand why, especially when the Bucks were at home, I don't understand why you don't go down to Giannis, get Giannis a few couple of dunks, get the crowd going. Um, instead of just jacking up threes, you don't need to have Drew Holiday jacking up threes. I like the looks that Chris Middleton is getting off the pick and rolls. You can go to that, but if you give it to Giannis down a low post like they did game three, give them, let them start down in a low post where you put the Suns in a position where you got to double team him. That way Giannis could kick it out. Or if you don't double team him, it's an easy two points. I don't know if they haven't been watching LeBron James the past nine finals, but what will LeBron do? LeBron will get it, take himself down to the low post. And if you don't want to double team, it's an easy two points where he's going to post fade away or just bully his way to the basket. Or if you want to double team, he has the passing ability to find anybody in, or any open shot. And Giannis is able, capable of doing the same exact thing. Just put him in that position, start with Giannis, start, with, start going inside, and then the outside game will come through. You don't need to be trying to... Um, Draw up, you know, draw up three-point plays at the beginning of the game. If they can just establish their presence inside, where you gotta get the Suns to worry about it, because if you're getting easy, easy buckets at a high, you know, a high efficiency, they're gonna have to keep clamping and keep double teaming. And when you're getting your confidence, getting you know layups and dunks, the threes start falling. That's when Pat Connaughton start making them threes. Fucking Bobby Porter start making them threes. You got the crowd going crazy. You start taking the momentum. So if they can establish that inside-out game, you know, that, that Suns front court is extremely thin. Get DeAndre Ayton in, in foul trouble, and you're solid. And the Suns is going to keep hitting threes. They're going to they're they're a highly efficient offense. They're going to keep hitting threes. Um, if you put them in a position where they got to come back instead of trying to shoot with them, you you'll be golden. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the Bucks will be golden. Now, for the Suns, DeAndre Ayton has to carry the load. He has to carry this load. I'm talking about play 40 minutes. He has to play at least 40 minutes. Can't be in foul trouble. He has to carry that front court. Um, DeAndre Ayton can't be on the bench for more than 10 minutes. Dar um, with Dario Saric being gone right now, Frank Kaminsky is for surely not the answer. And where Brooke Lopez and Giannis is probably going to be in the game. And even Bobby Portis, uh, Jay Crowder is not going to be enough. Like I already said, Frank Kaminsky is definitely not enough. Torrey Craig is not going to be enough. The Suns' front court is extremely thin, so DeAndre Ayton has to carry this load, carry a load like he's never done before. He has to be in the game. Just DeAndre Ayton being in the game is going to help the Suns significantly through throughout this series. It really hurts the Suns not having Dario Saric, but that's their fault because they didn't get another big 
they they would have loved to have um, Damian Jones, who had, they had at the beginning of the season. But Damian Jones with the Kings now, so whoops. But as far as the Bucks, if the Bucks wanna, you know, another thing that been pissing me off with the Bucks the first two games, especially, is Budenholzer had Brook Lopez for too long. Now, if Brook Lopez is not hitting his threes, if he is not hitting his three, you gotta take him out immediately, because the Suns. Because if I'm the Suns and Brook Lopez is in the game, keep running pick and rolls towards Brook Lopez way, because. Whoever Brooke Lopez is guarding on the perimeter is an easy two points. Devin Booker and Chris Paul is frying. They were frying Brooke Lopez. They were frying him. And it's a it's an easy bucket on him the whole time. And guess what happened game four? So they had Brooke Lopez in and the Suns were up. They were training buckets throughout the whole game, to be fair. But Brooke Lopez didn't play the whole fourth quarter. And that helped the Bucks significantly. Devin Booker was hitting some of the toughest shots possible. I'll take that. But Chris Paul was able to get going. DeAndre Ayton was able to get going. When you got P.J. Tucker, you got Giannis, you got Pat Connington, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton, all very, very good defenders. It, it, it imposed a different problem for the Suns. Suns couldn't run that pick and roll as efficiency, you know, at a high efficiency like they was when Brooke Lopez is in the game. It is very important for Mike Budenholzer to realize that this is not going to be Brook Lopez's series. And they're going to keep attacking Brook Lopez every single time he's in the game. So if Brook Lopez plays more than 20 minutes, the Suns will probably win the game. Because Brook Lopez has been a supreme liability against the Suns. Especially with Dario Saric being out. Um, because Brook Lopez matches well with Dario Saric. But now he's out the game, there's really no reason for Brook Lopez to be in the game. There really isn't. Um, especially when Chris Paul and Devin Booker are in the game at the same time. Because they're going to keep frying him. Because you got two guys that can run a pick and roll um, at a very, very, very high level. Now, I mean, the last thing for the Suns is that they can't get too emotional. Um, we, if you watch the game on Game 4, yeah. Devin Booker really had seven fouls. There was no reason for him to be fouling. And, you know, when you have five fouls like that, he had a stupid, try to almost got a clear path foul. He shouldn't be picking up random fouls. I understand you're trying to get him bucket, but... They need you to get buckets, and for you to get buckets, you need to be in the game. Um, the Suns were complaining about every fucking call. Like, oh my god. Jay Crowder was flopping. Like, Jay Crowder shot seven free throws. Now, hear me out. When do you see Jay Crowder go to the basket? Never. He shot seven free throws based off of just flopping fouls or just flopping on the three-point line. And... When you see the Suns doing shit like that, um, they're not they're playing they're trying to play the game into the hands of the refs instead of just playing the game of basketball. So they can't be getting too emotional. Now if you wanna let me break down that game four real quick. That game four was epic. It was probably the greatest bad basketball game I've watched. I mean, oh my god, both teams played so terrible. Devin Booger played amazing, but the next leading scorer was Jay Crowder with fifteen. And mind you, six of those 15 points was free throws. And none of them had was free throws of him going to the rack. The Suns don't go to the rack. So, like, you know, there's any Suns fans out there complain about them not getting or shooting the same amount of free throws as the Bucks? Y'all don't go to the rack. I remember getting an argument with Suns fans when they played against the Kings. And we shot probably, like, 15 more free throws than them. And they because they don't go to the rack. They shoot a lot of mid-ranges. They shoot a lot of threes. 
And they're not going to the rack with Giannis up in there. They don't have guys that could go to the rack other than Devin Booker. I mean, other than Chris Paul doing floaters, maybe. But they don't have no, they literally have no slashers on that team. Other than DeAndre Ayton as a lob threat and Devin Booker as just a three-level score. But the Bucks, on the other hand, they were pissing me off just as much as the Suns being too emotional. I mean, this Bucks was not making anything. What, like I said, Drew Holiday was like four for twenty. Chris Middleton was like fifteen for thirty-five. They was not going down through Giannis enough for me. I feel like if you just played through Giannis a little bit more, you would have established not only for more for Giannis but more for your teammates. But the looks that Chris Middleton was getting all night was great, but he was just missing in and out. Luckily, he got hot at the right time towards the end of the fourth, and that's when Booker stopped getting hot because Booker was just, he was hitting unbelievable shots. It was just outrageous. I'm like, and, I, I, and as a Bucks, if I'm like, you know, rooting for the Bucks in this series, I'm like, I could take that. I'll, I'll take those all day, and that's why they didn't win the game. The Bucks won this game, and they shot 40%. From the field, though, 20% from three. I mean, they shot so terribly. And the Suns were shooting 50%. Because Devin Booker was shooting, like, around 50%. And he had, like, 44. Like, he was, like, 17 for 25 or something like that. It was unbelievable. But you know why they lost the game? The Suns had 17 turnovers. The Bucks only had five turnovers. And they were barely up. And they barely won this game. Because that's how off they were. Bucks only turn over the ball five times compared to the Suns' 17. And another thing, the Bucks had 17 offensive rebounds. 17 offensive rebounds. So they gained 17 extra possessions. They barely won the game still. And the Suns played really bad. But the Bucks played really bad. That's how close this series is. So it's it's weird and it's you know it's interesting to see where this series can go. I'm gonna keep it at Bucks and Six, but I'm. This has been a very exciting finals, and it's gonna be nice to see a franchise, um, the Suns get their first title, or if the Bucks get their second title in over 50 years. It was cool to see Oscar Robertson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Shout out to my guy Caleb. Um, he's from Milwaukee, and you know, you just you see a team like Milwaukee go to the finals, you you can see a possibility in Sacramento. And see how lit that Milwaukee is, how lit that Phoenix. Now, Phoenix is not a small market, in my opinion. It's the fourth. Uh, I think it's the yeah, it's the fourth biggest city in this country, actually, behind Chicago, behind New York and L.A. Phoenix is very big, so I want to consider that a small market. But Milwaukee is a small, smaller market, and they're getting turned. They're getting turned seeing the team win. So. Game five is going to Phoenix. The pressure is on the Suns now. If Bucks take that game five. You go into game six where you're able to close out and win the finals on your home court. Can't miss that opportunity. So I'm gonna keep it at Bucks and Six. But you know me as predicting. Predicting did not go is has not been going my way. I might be the curse. I hope I'm not the curse, because I do got 20 on it. And as far as that, it feels good to be back. Talking about, you know, talking about the things I like to. I took a much needed break. Um, but the way I feel about the playoffs, you know, I don't like coming talking about every single game because I, I like to take each game by a grain of salt because there's always adjustments to be made. Uh, I don't like to overreact over each playoff game unless my Kings was in it. But uh, I've been enjoying watching the playoffs and 
we're reaching a busy time. So I actually took a much needed break because you know we got more Kings news that I'm going to get into after the finals. Uh, we got the draft coming up. and I've been doing my scouting. There's some very, very interesting prospects. And we got the free agency in the offseason. Monty McNair's first offseason. We already had some trades so far going. You got Kemba to the Thunder. The Celtics picked up Moses Brown from the Thunder in that trade, which is very, very interesting. You got new coaching hires. Jason Kidd with the Mavericks. Chauncey Billups with the Trailblazers. Rick Carlisle with the Pacers. Um, so you got a lot of things. You got a lot of news coming up. You got USA basketball right now. The Euros just finished. I was enjoying watching the Euros. Italy ended up getting the W. Fuck you, England fans that's being racist. I know it's not most of them. It's probably like 15% of them. But I've been enjoying the Euros. It's been a good time in sports right now. The All-Star game of baseball just passed. Uh, they keep talking about my A's moving to Vegas, which is very disappointing. If that happens, I'm becoming a Padres fan. Um... And we get to watch the All-Star Game scene. What Shohei Otani is doing is just amazing. So it's a good time in sports right now. Um, as far as this summer, you know, with COVID not being what it was, at least um, over last summer compared to this summer, I'm out enjoying myself, 21 now. And, you know, there's so many things for me to be appreciative right now. So it's cool to be back. And I will be coming with you more as time goes on. So I'm going to leave it at there. Thank you for making it this far if you did. Otherwise, the Moonchild is out. Peace.